Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to decovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. But it's one of those situations where for reasons unknown, that's what the media locked onto. Well, what are you supposed to do if you're Dennis Rodman? You want to be in the media, you want to be in the headlines, and you want to be interesting, so that means you got to return to the club at 3 a.m. because that's where the cameras are waiting for you. What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday! 
and thank you for joining another special episode of your welcome guys what a weekend it was in combat sports coming up on today's show i'm going to tell you why i've changed my tune on Corey sandhagen i'm also going to get into hazmat chamayev versus paulo costa and kamara uzman's questionable call out of wonder boy lots to get into today but let's begin with a big fight this weekend which i was at with my son by the way nate diaz versus jake paul I'm down, guys. I get the blues. I get the post-fight blues. That's an expression I got from Halleck Gracie. Halleck Gracie ran Metamorris, and he did a great job. He really did. I know the finances get out of control, but I mean, those things can happen. When you're trying to deliver for the fans and you're saying yes to everything, Halleck's events were awesome. And Halleck played Sunday, and nobody else did. Nobody in any form of combat would go Sunday. And Halleck told me it's because people have the post-fight blues. Saturday night, big pay-per-view, title fight, whatever it might be. But when that's over, your energy goes down. So he's going to give them something on Sunday. I'm, just, I'm telling you where I got that expression. So, but I'm feeling it. I was out in Dallas. I go to the Diaz-Paul fight. And there are so many things that happened there there's so many things that I that I observed that guys won't get credit for, but it is incredible to have the focus needed to get everything done, knowing that when everything's done, from getting your team in place and getting into your hotel and getting the travel done all the while. Your coach is great. He wants to get a workout in, not understanding that well, then the promotion wants interviews over here and you got to get to this radio station. You got to, all the while, you got to beat the scale the day before, which is for sure the hardest fight of the week. And that's not really seen. Nobody pats you on the back or tells you good job or hands you a check when you win that fight, right? It's just, it's just one of these necessary evils and a very rare thing anywhere in the professional world. I, I believe if anybody ever tried to weigh somebody in before they let them go to work, I believe there would be a class action lawsuit. I believe the ACLU would step up and fund it so fat. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine you have to weigh in before you go to work? And if you don't make the weight, you get fined? Could, could you imagine? Now, but, but you're an athlete. It's different. Is it? Do they, do they weigh in the basketball players? Do they, do they weigh in the football players? Do they weigh in the tennis players? Do they weigh in the golfers? It's a really unique thing. We all get why it's necessary and different. I, I'm not suggesting that for you. I, I'm just telling you that what an athlete has to go through that really isn't fully observed is incredible. And for Diaz and Paul, it was so relentless and restless it was a very different situation that Nate Diaz found himself in. I mean, I mean, he's getting pulled in so many directions. And don't forget, this isn't just Nate Diaz. One thing of the Nate Diaz story that hasn't fully been told is the mentorship that he provides to a massive amount of young men. If it wasn't for Nate Diaz, there is a pocket of the population out there in California that's got a lot of energy, and there's some pretty rough guys. They're going to be roaming the streets. 
So now you have some of this actually providing a public service of giving them somewhere to come, teaching them a skill, providing them with a goal, and sending them home tired so they aren't roaming those streets. And that part of Nate never gets discussed. Coach Nate never gets discussed. So as one of the most loyal guys in the business, he gets an opportunity. He gets asked to be part of a mega event. And the first thing he does is make sure that the organizer of the event understands he wants his guys on the card. So they can all train together, they can travel together, they can cut weight together, they can do this process together. So now when he's in the back trying to be selfish and get himself ready, that's not how Coach Diaz works. Coach Diaz has to now watch each fight and each round and sit on the edge of his seat waiting for the decision to come in with sweaty... I mean, the energy for those kinds of emotions, and then you got to walk out last, which, by the way, was late. I was going to say it was almost it was almost midnight. It was almost midnight East Coast time. We were in Dallas, so they were an hour back. It's a lot. I mean, it really is a lot. And you're going into a sport that you haven't done before. There's just a ton on it. And I say the same things about Jake Paul. By the way, watching these two, Nate and Jake, work. Watching the videos, watching the small things that they did. I mean, I mean, Jake comes in on a tank. Like, that might have looked cool and been a, been a cool shot, but he's still got to do it. On fight night, right? He's trying to get his, his mind right. He's, he's, he's got a million things he's got to deal with, but he's got to stop and go, okay, are the cameras ready? Okay, do we light this thing right? All right, and action in three, two, one, for that tank to roll, for them to have that clip, for him to jump off it. Before he can even go to the locker room to begin the process, I mean, I'm just sharing for you, I can't remember a time that I've ever witnessed where an athlete in a main event, an athlete on the card at all, did promotion the day of the fight. Not only did Jake Paul do it on the day of the fight, he did it at the arena the night of the fight. It just That just doesn't happen. But, but you have these big asks. And Nate's got these same asks. Not to mention all the people coming to town. Not to mention all the people that want to support him. Not to mention all the questions that his guys have. Or, hey, where's this? Where, I mean, he's got to be on his face working the entire time. And it, it just was, it was one of those remarkable things. I mean, those two must be exhausted. And the fight itself for, for Jake and Nate was of the utmost importance. Like everything that I just stated was a necessary evil in their mind to get to the fight, to perform, to do what their coaches worked on, to invoke their strategies, to be able to hold up, to have the energy, the heart, the desire, try to get your hand raised. I fully understand that. The outcome of that fight was quite possibly the last thing on our minds that were there to watch it and to support the event, the, the outcome. The performance, as far as the grit, the skill, where are things at for both sides, right? Because Jake's got his own path that he's on. And Jake has to show us progression. He has to show us that he's getting better, which is hard for us to believe he can do. Because of, of everything that I just laid out for you that I... I saw Jake do, I have had to question, when does he train? When does he prepare? I've wondered that about his brother and him from day one, which now I believe has 
five years has passed. I think, I think we're at the five-year mark or right towards the end of the four-year mark, which is not very much time. But in addition, the work and the effort and the focus that it takes to have those kinds of skills. And it's not just to be able to throw a hand and all the geometry and calculus involved to make sure that this lands. I mean, it's the ultimate math equation of a train leaves Minneapolis at 4 p.m. traveling at 80 miles an hour. And a train leaves Portland going 110 miles an hour. And they're both going to Anaheim. Like it's, it's, it's the ultimate thing to get this to hit that. The guy's moving, the guy's moving, then the guy's moving at a different speed. And the guy's moving left and then he's moving right. And when you throw it out, you got to find him. Oh, by the way, once you find him, this one needs to come right behind him. I mean, there's, there's so many things that go into it. It, it. it is so remarkably difficult to do, but it doesn't look that way on TV. Like, oh, I could do that. I go out and touch the guy. And believe me, I had that. I, I had that. I went into my first fight. It was an amateur fight. Fought Trevor Prangley. And what was the year? It was 1999, I believe. I guess that wasn't my first fight. But it was, it was one of them. And at that time, there was no such thing as a mixed martial arts gym. Anywhere in the world. There, there was no gym where if you walked in and go, hey, what do we do here? And they'll go, mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts was a term that was developed to get a law passed through the Nevada state legislature in 2001. Like, people love to say we're doing martial arts. It's about honor. It's about power. It's about respect. Because Hollywood, through movies, told you that that's what martial arts is about. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just sharing with you. That's why you think that. So when you see somebody come out and you see them be a little bit brash and they're breaking the code of martial arts and they're a trash talker. Your perception and vision of what mixed martial arts is came from Hollywood. It came nowhere else. Oh, and by the way, the term to even call this martial arts was just done as a soft way to get cage fighting passed through the legislature in Nevada. I mean, I'm just I'm sharing the history with you, right? So Jake's got to show a progression. And you will wonder, how would he progress? How would he get better? When would he have time? He's only been at this for Right. It's, it's one of these things, and then you start to see it, and you start to realize, man, this guy doesn't rest. This guy doesn't sleep. This guy gets everything everything that he needs, and if something's going to sacrifice in his life, it's not going to be the training. It's not going to be getting up and getting those miles in. It's not going to be getting to the gym. It's not going to be working with the coach. It's not going to be focusing on his diet. If Jake Paul is to sacrifice something, it is very clear. It will be sleep. I love that. I love that. You ever meet people who don't have time? You ever meet people who don't have time? Oh, you've got the time. Sleep less. Right there. Boom. I, ju I just found you two hours. Right there. You like to get eight hours a night? Oh, yeah, I need eight hours a night. You're going to get six. Oh, but I need eight. You're going to get six. But now you have the time. Don't ever say you don't have time. Ever. You don't find time. You make time. And I'm just sharing with you to watch everything. Because we can see it, right? You can't say it with, with everybody. You can't even say it with very many people. You get to see what Jake does all day. He's got a camera on him all day. We know what he's doing. And when something has to give, it's not work. And it's not desire. It's not goals. It's not his dreams. It's not his training. And he's only got one other thing that he can give. He's got one thing that he can dip into. One thing that can get pushed. And it's sleep. So now he's doing all of these things you're seeing him do, and he's doing them tired. It's really quite impressive. And I watched it from Nate's standpoint. 
And it was one of the first times I believe that Nate was able to have fun. The pressure was very different. And, and Nate Diaz's identity is not that of a boxer. I mean, when Nate Diaz comes out and does interviews, you never hear him mention the word boxing. Go watch 20 Nate Diaz interviews and find that word one time. I'm just sharing for you, right? So now he's in a different situation where he gets to have some fun because now it's a very different pressure. But the supporters are hoping for a good performance where he can hold up and not look old, which every fighter will do at some point. And none of those things happened. There was grit. There was stamina. There was fighting of the opponent. He was having fun out there. He threw a guillotine on one time. He looked up and laughed to the crowd. I mean, it's one of those things. I could not do that. There were certain things that I could not do. I'd see other guys do it. Like, Gosh, how are you doing that? I could even use that in the practice room. Bell goes five minute rounds. Bell goes off, and you'll have somebody that comes over and wants to have a conversation. Hey, how's everything? Hey, can we blah blah blah? You, you want to have a conversation? It's like I can't relate to that. I that that one minute rest is the only thing I have. That clock going off is the only thing I have to help me survive. And in that one minute, I am not wasting any effort on energy other than having some water and getting ready for the next round, right? Like it's one of these things. So when Nate's out there and he's being playful and he's having fun, he has an energy. He has a cardio energy. He has a, a lack of fear. He's not processing and thinking, where am I at? How many times have I hit? What's the score of this? How much time's left? Those are all very natural deductions that a fighter is doing nonstop. Nate wasn't. He was enjoying himself. And, I mean, it, it was such an honorable thing to do and an incredible risk to take by both guys. When I, when I tell you that I'm down, oh, man, I'm a little bit down today. That's why. It, it, was, it was really a... A, a special thing to see and it was unique the same way that Nate was out there and able to exhale a little bit and just enjoy the moment I don't usually get that as a fan but for the first time I did and it was great Told him to get in the USADA pool and get into rehab. And he told him those two things on the back end of a very quick, maybe three-sentence statement telling him no to a fight. Now, it's the second week in a row that Conor McGregor has looked for a fight and he's been told no. That has never happened before and now it's happened for two weekends in a row. How come? What do you guys make of that? Justin Gaethje told him the same thing. You're irrelevant. You're not in the pool. You're not even part of this club. No. Gaethje then spent the rest of the week trying to get the fight. I, I, everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. I don't have a problem with it. Telling them no is the beginning of the negotiation. Don't know all the same. Jake Paul told him the same thing. Now, Jake's was a little bit different because Jake doesn't mean it. Jake's not going to take the bait in any fashion. He's not going to spend the next week talking about Conor McGregor. He really meant no. He's going to try to move in the direction, I believe, 
of a crossover MMA Nate Diaz, and then there'll be some opportunity for boxing too, and he'll look at it behind the scenes and eventually he'll bring it to us. But I I do tell you, Connor's spot is a hard one. And it's also a spot that as much as we love to opine, I would certainly qualify for that category. We don't know. We don't actually know what is going on, what the holdup is, how he's feeling, and he hasn't shared any of this with us. So we decided, as a community, there's a global superstar. Globally, we have decided that Conor McGregor is in violation of the USADA rules and therefore isn't entering the pool. First off, if that was true, then he would be doing everything right and setting a very positive example. On your first day of law school, should you go, they will explain to you something called clean hands. Means when you come in, you come with clean hands. So if Connor does have something in the system, there is nothing violated there. He cheated absolutely nobody. If he enters the pool, it's not a matter of trying to game the system. It's a matter of coming in with clean hands so you can operate within the system, which is what he was worried about in the first place. He was worried about, as he goes and deals with the leg, that he wouldn't be in the pool with clean hands. So he removed him. So he did everything right. The story will never be told that way. But not only did he do it right, he set an example for the right way to do it. And I understand that it wasn't the theme and the intent. That's not what I'm speaking to. We had an extenuating circumstance that caused this. This wasn't caused by Connor. This wasn't caused by a plan that Connor hatched. And he read the rules and he knew we could do this. And he went on a steroid holiday. He was in the middle of a fist fight and snapped his leg. What happened after that, we don't know. But isn't that a little bit refreshing? Isn't that the way a true guy would handle it? I mean, there's this new theme of I'm going to put my injury reports out on the internet. Which is nothing more than a sympathy play for attention. Like when you put that out, you're not looking for advice from the medical world. You're looking for get well wishes. You're looking for, oh my God, and you finished the fight anyway, you were so tough. You're looking for a compliment of some kind. Like a child that finishes an art project and then holds it, knows it's really good, holds it up and goes, oh, this is terrible. Just so everybody goes, how much they like. I mean, it's one of these things. So Connor's never come out and told us. He didn't complain in the moment when he was in shock and should have been stretchered and taken to the back. He called over Joe Rogan and he finished his job that he promised he would do and entertain from bell to bell. But the story doesn't get told that way either. The story gets told as a jerk who crossed the line, talked about another guy's wife. That's one way to tell the story. That's what you saw for sure. And if you believe that and go to your grave, believing that that's your, what's known as a mark. And it's fun to be a mark. The business doesn't stay alive without marks. The other side is you had the greatest entertainer the sport's ever seen and possibly the sport has ever seen. I, I can't think of somebody from, from another league or another organization that puts as much effort into entertaining and giving back to the fans. But you had a professional to the highest of levels that a worldwide audience watching, and he decided, while broken, 
on the ground, needing medical attention to not have the medical attention and take care of himself later and call over the announcer and finish the show. And I just share for you, after that, we don't know. We could bring doctors on and we we, we could just in a, a very broad sense, what can we expect here? What's he dealing with? What's the rehab time? And all, all of those things have happened. But there hasn't been a time where we've heard from Connor's doctor. There hasn't been a time where we heard, hey, this went great. We got the absolute best and it went perfectly. We haven't heard, guys, there's been a problem. This didn't go as planned. We had to go back in. We had to readjust. We had to add a pin. We don't actually know. We don't know that the reason that Connor isn't entering the pool and starting the clock, which doesn't just bring him in the pool and start the clock, it also is going to activate an entire machine to get a date, get an opponent, build hype, and move forward. And Connor, that might be what he's trying to stop. That injury could still be acting up to a degree that the reason he hasn't done the pool paperwork is that's going to then trigger, that's going to be the first step to trigger an entire machine into motion. He doesn't want to waste everybody's time. I'm not suggesting for you that that is the actual reason. What I'm suggesting for you is, is we don't know. We don't, we don't actually know. And if you're in the business that Connor's in, it's the attention-getting business. Very few guys understand this. Very, very few. There is over 700 athletes, men and women in all divisions, signed to the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Of that 700, well, less than 10. I feel very comfortable telling you less than five. I'm going to say less than 10 just so it's a very literal and accurate statement. Less than 10 know that there's a competition that is intergender and spread over all weight classes for attention and for headlines to build interest from the fan base and to be the star of the entire organization. Less than 10 are even aware that exists. They fully believe the only competition is three times a year inside that cage and getting my hand raised and doing my talking with my face. All right. All right. As long as we have that 10, we can keep the lights on and feed all the rest of you interchangeable mediocrities. So then when you have those 10 that decide they're going to play and they put a strategy together, you still got to have the right performer. I don't know of a song that Elvis Presley wrote. I, I know that he didn't write Blue Suede Shoes and I can't give credit to the guy that did. I don't know, but I know Elvis was the one on, on the stage wearing the blue jumpsuit. I don't believe that The Rock wrote his own interviews. I don't believe, I don't believe that he wrote his own material, but there's a reason that he was the one on camera raising the eyebrow. So once you have those 10 that know there's another game being played here, how are they going to do it? I'm sharing for you. It gets to be a spot where when you're getting headlines, even that's that not what your goal was, you have to keep those headlines. Dennis Rodman, pretty good basketball player. He's a pretty good rebounder. Pretty damn good teammate. Court all those guys on the Bulls. 
But you probably couldn't tell me where he ranked in the league for rebounds. I believe he was number one. I believe he was number one for multiple years, as a matter of fact. Probably couldn't tell me where he started, how many teams he started for. Probably couldn't tell me where he played college. But you could tell me that you've heard of Dennis Rodman, then you'd tell me it's because of the bleached hair, or is the, the, the jewelry and through his nose, or is because the late nights partying at the club. I mean, it's one of those situations where for reasons unknown, that's what the media locked onto. Well, what are you supposed to do if you're Dennis Rodman? You want to be in the media, you want to be in the headlines, and you want to be interesting, so that means you got to return to the club at 3 a.m. because that's where the cameras are waiting for you. So we have also all decided that Conor McGregor is a drunken drug addict. But Connor has done nothing to tell us that he's not. He just sees that this is where a lot of the headlines are going. He doesn't respond to Jake Paul and tell him I don't need rehab. I don't even take drugs. He doesn't tell him anything. We don't actually know. We do know he's a massive fan. We do know he watches every event. We do know the responses that he gives on social media is from him authentically after watching the actual event. We know he's a fan. We know he cares. We know he listens to you. But we don't know the rest. Talk about it. We act like we do. And he has the courage as a performer who's garnering headlines to not come out and stop a headline. Even if it's a rumor, it's something that you don't want to be associated with. If that's where the attention's coming, the performer knows. I'm just going to keep building a base. I'll, t- I'll change the story or I'll take them where I want to take them later. Right now, I'm gathering. But it's an art, and it's a game. And it's one that less than 10 guys are aware is being played. And of those 10, they're not very good at playing it. That's why you have a battle for supremacy going on right now between the only two guys that know there's a battle taking place, which is Adesanya and McGregor. I don't think they've ever said each other's names. If they met each other, I'm sure it would be, hi, very nice to meet you. I enjoy your fights. Make no mistake, they're watching each other very closely, and they're competing very hard. And when you think you know about Connor, and you think you know why he's doing these things, you don't. Sandhagen, guys, I have been nothing but hard on Corey, and I've been, I've been hard on Corey because he wasn't following his own division, and he did an interview, and he just didn't know the interworkings. I gave him a hard time. We call this Sandhagen, right? And I can keep doing that. I can keep talking about the night that the man was in a cage fight. His head was anything but of soundness. And he didn't speak to my liking. I can keep doing that. But if I don't do that anymore, I don't have anything in his career to pick on him for. And I do mean nothing. That guy is great. Period. I mean, like, full stop. What he can't do is wrestle. That's true. But that's according to him. He's openly told people this. And when you let him go on his feet, or when you think, all right, I'm going to go match him on his feet. Ooh, we got... Crazy fights, man. Crazy knockouts, spinning kicks. I mean, the guy's special. Special. He can go five rounds. He can push. He doesn't care who the opponent is. He doesn't care if he's the end of the night, if he's open of the night. 
He didn't care if it's short notice, big fight, small fight. I mean, it's just one of these things that he represents the mindset and the attitude of the guys that we like. If you want to keep picking on him, I would love to know how you're going to do it. If you if you want to be like me and you would rather be negative than positive, you just want to go around and be cranky guy. What are you going to say about Corey? I mean, what, what, what are you going to say? Brett Okamoto came out and he gave Corey a huge compliment and it was in the form of a tweet. And Brett Okamoto knows what he's looking at. He knows the sport. I, I would be very surprised if you grab Brett and go, hey, have you ever missed a UFC? Have you, have you, ever, have you ever not seen an event? I think the answer is probably no. And Brett came out on social media after Corey's victory over Rob Font and said that Corey Sandhagen should be considered in the conversation for BMFs. If we're going to move the belt or we're going to move at divisions, if we're going to redo the BMF, it wasn't necessarily to be literal that Brett was trying to, to get a fight going at 135 pounds for the BMF title. He was trying to give a compliment to the attitude and the style of Corey Sandhagen, and I see it. And by the way, I bring up the fact that he can't wrestle. Because that statement was made by him, and it had truth when he said it three years ago. You can't watch what he did Saturday and continue to say it. By the way, Rob Font is as nasty as they come. And you don't need to look at his record. You don't need to know that he was number three in the world. You, you don't need to remember that he was just one hand raise away from being in a world title fight, which he might have won. Man, 135 pounds, right? 135 pounds, you go match those guys. It's any given night. Rob Font steps in to a main event, this fight, on such short notice that he can't even make the weight class and says that. He doesn't say no to the fight. He doesn't say change the rounds. He doesn't say do it at a different day. He doesn't say anything. He says yes, and he confesses. By the way, you're not quite giving me enough time. I know my body. So we can agree to this, and then I can I can screw everything up at the weigh-in, or we can agree now to spot me five pounds. Cool. That was great. That's the exact professional way to handle it. And I, But I have to give Rob that credit, man. You have to know how good Rob Font is. Before you can really recognize what Sanhagen did, doing anything to Rob Font is hard to do. Doing it to him twice, I can't remember a time that's happened. I won't tell you it hasn't, but I can't remember it. To do the same thing to Rob Font each round for five rounds has never, by anybody, worked. And Sandhagen not only made it work, he made it work with a skill set that he did not have three years ago. I'm talking about the wrestling. I'm talking about the takedowns. And there's been a number of people that did not enjoy that match. I won't tell you what to like. As a fan, it's very fun. It's very fun. You can be positive and you're cheering, but you have another energy inside of you too. If you pay your take and give up your time and you want to use that negative energy and you want to boo, I'm not against it. But I will share with you, if you tell me that you didn't think that was a fun fight, you didn't think it was interesting, you didn't think those positions on the ground, if you tell me that you weren't surprised as well as impressed that Corey Sandhagen, one of the most feared kickboxers, and he's really a trick boxer, by the way. I mean, he will fool you. He, he is, in his own right, he is 
as confusing and unique on his feet as Jareer Rodriguez. I'm pausing. I'm, wa I'm waiting for you to disagree with me. But when you think that over, when you think about that reach, you think about those spin kicks, you think about those jump knees, you start to give me the point, don't you? And I just share with you that I don't know that I fully believe you. I mean, if you, if you tell me that, that, that that wasn't something that was great and that was impressive and that was a very clear and skillful match between two guys who never let up, both guys were trying to win the entire time. One guy's getting overwhelmed, but he's doing the best he can. I'm talking about Rob Fine. You know, he's on bottom. He's trying to find arms and Kimuras, and he's attacking. He's doing everything that he can. He's fighting. And if you tell me that you didn't like it, I'm not certain that I believe you. I think that perhaps you jumped on a bandwagon and you used it to get your negative energy out. And I think that Brett Okamoto is the most accurate assessment that I have seen. It was awesome. It was impressive. And it was a surprise. And if that's a tool that Corey Sandhagen now has, it does make him all that more of a threat and all that more scary. And we have a, a thing in this industry. I mean, it goes, it goes back 20 years, which is if you were in a match that is a number one contenders match, or if you were in a match that would have been, even if it's not stated, but it's known, it's in the back, it's going to be a number one contenders match, you know, a week ago, you're, you're getting opponent changes. Three months ago, when you signed to do it, it was like a lamb going into slaughter. I'm talking about Sand, Sand, the matchup between Nurmagomedov and Sandhagen. I mean, the odds came out on that. This is off the top of my head, but I believe it was 4-1. to one. Nurmagomedov, Sandhagen never flinched. So when he gets the call that his opponent's out, we don't even have one for you. We're going to have one. You're still on the card. We're, we're working on it now. And he doesn't blink. You like guys like that, and you want to reward him for it. And so all of a sudden, you bring in Rob Fawn, who used to be ranked number three. I don't, I don't know what Rob is, so I have to keep going back to what he was ranked. And you make that call, and you tell Corey, here's who we're going to bring in, and here's what it's going to be. Oh, and by the way, I, I know that we've changed everything on you so far. We're, we're also going to change the weight class. We don't know if that was okay with Corey. We don't know if that was cool in the game. We don't know anything. All we know is he said yes. So now you're happy with all, the point I'm trying to make is you're happy with him, you're happy with him, and then you're happy with him again. Like each, each move that he does is a move that you're looking for for a guy that you want to make number one contender. It's a guy that you can count on. You can't just throw somebody in that position. You can't do it. You cannot potentially put your belt on a guy that you can't count on. So Corey gets tested three times that I know of. And he passes the test each time, so everybody's happy with him. Then he goes out, and he does what he's supposed to do, which is fight hard the entire time, and the entire time he's out there, try to win. That might sound easy to you, to try to win. That might almost, almost a condescending and simple term, guys, it's hard to do. It's hard to keep your mind right. You hear fighters all the time say, I am my biggest enemy but they don't elaborate to what that means. Right? The, fighter, the fighter wants the fight over. The entire time he's out there, he wants the fight over. And psychologically, when you want the fight over, that's both ways, and that's only for a millisecond. For a millisecond, that includes the other guy wins, but we have resolution and we're done. 
So you have to fight that millisecond, and then you got to fight it again. Okay, you're back in the moment. You're trying to win. Everything's going right. And then this, this, this weird voice and this door starts to open. And that's called fatigue. That's fight or flight center. That's in every single athlete. So then you fight that voice. You get back in, and that's what the real battle is. The real battle, guys will say, I'm battling with myself, but they don't elaborate what that means. I'm doing my best, I'm going real fast, but I'm trying to tell you guys what that means. So course in, he goes with this, all of these things. Everything's perfect, but now we're mad at him. First off, I don't believe you. I don't believe that you think that wasn't impressive. I don't believe that you think anything less than what Brett Akamoto had the courage to publicly say. In, in addition, so now we're mad at him. All right. Right, right, or however we got there. So now he's, he's got he's got one in that column. He banked three in the other column. It's three to one. He's still the number one contender. Usman Wonderboy, what do you think? And I'll tell you guys right now. Like I'll love that fight when that fight rolls around. You have the champion and you have the number one contender. You have the, the multiple-time defending victorious champion and the multiple-time title challenger, right? I mean, it's it's one step removed from one of these massive fights in, in the form that it's former champion and former number one contender. Point that I'm trying to get at. That fight makes plenty of sense. That fight's a pain in the ass. There's some guys that you fight when you get asked to fight them. Which means there's guys that you fight if you have to fight them. There's guys that you don't ever ask to fight. Wonder Boy goes into that category. That skill set is a pain in the ass. And there's not really a way to prepare for it. Even if you're going to go into a training camp, not to mention you can't get anything done in training camp. Like, that's just in theory. All that you will do in training camp is get in shape and get your weight down and start to get your mind right. Like, whatever you're going to use in that fight, you learned 10 years ago. And more likely, you learned at about 10 years old. And then you spent the last 20 trying to perfect it. I'm, I'm just sharing for you. So, in a best-case scenario, you go into training camp, and now you're going to try to spar with somebody like Wonder Boy. Who would that be? If you were tasked with that, if Kamara Usman called you and said, it's an open checkbook, need the guy out here, want him out here for eight weeks, pay him whatever he needs and all of his expenses, who would you say, okay, this is who I'm going to call? I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy that does what Wonder Boy does. No, you don't. I've been in the business 20 plus years. I don't know anybody that does what Wonder Boy does. I couldn't call a sparring partner in to give you a look. And that's the part that I love about this back and forth between Wonder Boy and Usman is Usman started it. So everything that I just said that is frightening, it's not only confused, it's a frightening situation to go into something that you've never been in before. The former champ that has everything on the line. You think Kamara's last fight against Leon, he had something on the line? Yeah, so did he. He's wrong. He's wrong. Think the fight before that with a head kick turned around the world. Everything was on the line. He's wrong. Everything was not on the line with the head kick hurt around the world in Salt Lake. Everything wasn't on the line when he flew out to England for the trilogy. The only thing on the line was the belt. His career is now on the line. Wonder Boy and Kamara could go into a main event. If they associate themselves with the right pay-per-view, they're probably going to be in a co-spot. Fine. 
if Kamara Usman gets beat, he is not going to return to that same spot. He might not even return. He is on a quest right now to reclaim the championship, and he is willing to go through whoever he has to go through to get that. And that's an incredible thing. And that's the story here. That's the real story here, because we didn't know this about Usman. We knew that's who he was. Right? You want to talk about somebody hungry, willing to put in the time, and willing to sacrifice? It's Kamara Usman, who's at the Olympic Training Center doing freestyle wrestling, having no idea where that was going to go, left that situation to go to Rashad Evans' couch and pursue something called mixed martial arts. And the biggest opportunity that he was able to get, probably through connections that Rashad had, was to go in the toughest tournament of all of sport, known as the Ultimate Fighter, which gets billed as a reality show. It's not. The reality is it's a show. It's the toughest tournament I've ever seen in sport. You have to live with the competition. You have to eat with the competition. It's the toughest thing that I've seen. And he went through it. And my only point for telling is that we knew who Kamara was. We knew how hungry, sacrificial, willing, hardworking, driven. All the buzzwords. All the buzzwords that you need before you can ever get to champion. He checked all those boxes and then got to champion. That's who he was. He climbed the mountain. Great job. Very rare. Is he still that guy? I see that guy now with the money. See that guy now with the fame. See that guy now with the fancy suits. See that guy now with the commentating job. Is he that same guy? I don't think we'd expect him to be. He went very quiet prior to the trilogy with Leon. He stayed quiet after the trilogy. That fight, guys, was in March. We didn't hear from Usman until July. So we didn't know. And now he's willing. In fact, let me start over. He's not just willing. Willing as Wonder Boy calls him out, his ego steps in and he agrees to the challenge. He's the one that issued the challenge. So, so the question of, is Kamara this guy? He was. Is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently Usman's still that guy. Yeah. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal, and he's willing to do it. I can't really think, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm try, but I can't really think of anything more dangerous than going outside your weight class and taking on Shemayev. Can't, I can't really think of it. And now I'm confronted with returning to your weight class, which has never been easy for him to make. By the way, when I talk about his freestyle wrestling, so many people don't know this. Talk about his freestyle wrestling, his Olympic and world aspirations. He was doing that at 185 pounds. His Twitter handle right now is, is Usman84. People know where the 84 is. I think it's like his favorite knuckleburger or something that, that was just auto-generated. That was his weight class. That was his weight class in wrestling, 84 kilograms. If I'm wrong, it's like Usman 85, 85 kilos. He's 185 pounds. So making 170 all these years later, that's not easy to do, particularly if you locked yourself in a mindset that I'm going closer to 185. I'm going closer to 185, and I'm going to go take on the greatest grappler that I can find a day later. I'm going to go to 170, and I'm going to take on the most tricky striker the division has. Kamara's still that guy. 
I mean, it's been a big question mark. When he went quiet, it was a big question mark, and everything was on the table, including retirement. And if you would have asked me, that's the one I was lending to. That was the reason that he was going quiet. There was nothing to talk about. Having no other information than what I just laid out, but that is where I inside was uh, leaning for with Kamar Usman, and when it's quite the opposite. Story of the fight. I, I would suspect it happens. I would suspect it comes around. I want to suspect you would step in and get in the way of two guys that want to fight each other. But before we get to the X's and O's, we got to start here. And here it's about attitude. It's about willingness. It's about competition. And Wonderboy and Usman both deserve credit for going out and doing their level best to find the absolute hardest fight and competition that they could. Jemayev and Paulo Costa, I gotta tell you, this feels like a grudge match. I mean, this just feels different than other fights. As a matter of fact, I can't really think of another fight that's ever been built to this degree. And it's built by us, by the way. I don't think anybody spent a dollar marketing this thing. This is purely by us. I told Ariel what feels like six months ago, but time flies. It, it could have been four. It could have been three. About this fight. And after I told him about the fight... Of which Paulo and Jemiah backed up. Paulo gets booked in Salt Lake City against someone else. So, okay, I guess they're not doing that. And then Jared Cannon is speaking up, and he's the only one speaking up. And I, I, mean, I guess, like, if we're just throwing our hands up, I, I guess. What difference does it make? It's not a main event anyway. What difference does it really make? Well, you know, there's something there special with Jemiah, but he's never really needed an opponent before. He's drawn well, he's a media darling, and we'll see what happens, and not to mention October's a long time away, but guys, we've been talking about it for a long time, right? That's the only point I'm trying to illustrate. I don't remember a fight that we've talked about for so long. So then all of a sudden, Paulo gets put back on this card, and that took like three days to make the announcement. It, it was announced that he was off Salt Lake, but it wasn't announced what he was going to do. Like, things got weird, and then Paulo and Chamay, who had told us initially that they were going to fight in October in Abu Dhabi, and then we find out that Paulo's going to Salt Lake... So now we come back to Paulo and Shemaiah, who've already lied to us once, and then they lie to us again. They both say they're not going to fight for three days until the organization makes an announcement, and it's like, ta-da, we are going to fight. And I'm all for it. I don't mind the spoof, but why'd you, why'd you deny it? And why did you both deny it? Like, are you secretly talking to each other? Or did you both come up with the same stupid idea simultaneously, which is we're going to go and lie to the audience? I, I don't get it. I would, I'd be curious to hear, it was weird. It was a weird thing to deny a fight that was going to happen. That's a weird thing to do. It's never happened before where both guys have done it. Most likely scenario, pure coincidence. Possible scenario, they talked about it, which blows their, every, the deal's off if, if you guys are communicating. The deal is off. Okay, great. So these two are going to go fight. Now, when I tell you I've never seen anything like it, I've really never seen anything like it because as much as we've been talking about it, and as long as we're talking about it, and as excited I am and as, as much as I'm going to talk about it as they build up, it's not a main event. I mean, when I told you that no fight has been talked about this long, I've never seen anything in history like it. You probably thought, sure, Chael, what about this and what about this? You'd have been fair to do it. But now that I give you the second reveal, 
which is we've talked about it for this long and gone to this length and this depth and we have this storyline for a non-main event, you're stuck. And that's where you have to hand it back to me and go, yeah, Chael, you're right. We've never seen anything quite like it. Now, you want to know why I bring that up? Because there's never been a fight that we've looked forward to like this, this much in advance, that's happened. It creates some kind of a pressure and one guy every time breaks. Every time. And I have single-handedly kept fights together by calling it out in this very forum ahead of time. Single-handedly. Fights I knew were going to fall apart. I kept it together by telling you, you're talking about it, the pressure, the blah, 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 it's getting too much. One of these guys are going to break. And that fight is really, really challenging to break down. You have built into your head this monster in Paulo Costa, which you're absolutely right, against a smaller opponent in Chemayev, which I'm being told is no longer right. That he's put on size, that he's massive, that he's going to have to pull down to 185 pounds. I mean, that's a very different guy. I'm into that storyline. It's exactly what John Jones just did, right? I mean, literally three years away to put on size to come back and be somebody different. It's the exact angle that I'm going to take when I build Stipe for the Jones match in November. Is that Stipe put on 20 pounds because he thought he was going to be matched up with Francis and God was just a different guy. And it's really hard to know. Like, it's really hard to close your eyes no matter how much we follow the sport and see that. I can remember the day. It was January 19th, as a matter of fact. How's it right off the top of my head? You can't get this anywhere. January 19th. Conor McGregor was too small for Cowboy Cerrone. They fought at 170. Connor had been champion at 145. Cowboy was comfortable within his weight class, and it ended up being a 19-second fight, and it favored Connor McGregor. But a lot of those things that I just said were true. Also with Donald, he didn't understand. He didn't know it was going to be that for. He didn't know it was going to be that power. He didn't know those speeds. That's not the guy that he sat and studied. It was somebody else, somebody that was bigger. And I bring that to you. I don't know what to expect with Jemayev. Paulo Costa is a rough night out for anybody. I do not believe with any part of my being that somebody can run over Paulo in any aspect. I don't think anybody could run over him in boxing. I don't think anybody could run over him in wrestling. I don't think anybody could run over him in jiu-jitsu. I don't think anybody can run over him in, in, in MMA. They're going to have to work. To imagine that Shemayev can just go grab him and take him down and keep him there for 15 minutes is really hard to imagine. But Shemayev weighing 205 pounds, walking around, all muscle, pulling down to 185. And I'm not saying that's what he is, but I am saying this is some of the reports. It's also something that I can't imagine because I haven't seen it before. It's a very compelling match. It's a very, very interesting match. And where do we go from here? All right? We've got, we've got this whole thing and plenty of time to build, but it does appear to be a number one contenders match. I mean, that does seem to be very obvious, and I believe that something to that degree has already been stated, at least for Chemayev. And the reason I bring that to you is Adesanya and Strickland looks to be, and this is according to Coach Nitsik, who's done a ton of title fights, knows a whole bunch about getting guys ready. Coach Eric is saying that it's, it's down to a visa issue, just a visa issue with Australia. I share that with you because you're wondering about 185 and you're wondering, well, what two are going to draw into what two? I think Paulo Costa and Chemayev is what's being looked at. I think it's going to be the winner of Strickland versus Adesanya. I think Duplessis is going to find out the hard way. When you're offered an opportunity, you should take it. I'm not saying that I hope that for him or I cheer it. And calendars are going to have to match up. And if Duplessis is an interchangeable mediocrity like the rest of them, he'll get plugged in. But there's a lot going on at middleweight. 
almost like a time that we've never really seen before. And those unique times and those unique pressures generally makes one of them crack. You ever seen a fight build up like this? You ever had this anticipation? You ever had this anticipation this long? You ever heard in the media and read about a match six months out where you were excited and you didn't know when it was a back and forth affair? And it wasn't even a main event. episode but thank you for listening and thank you for leaving us reviews over on apple podcast plus some five-star ratings on spotify i got way more to talk about on friday's episode until then i'm chael sonnen and you are welcome